0: control You are listening to
1: Young
2: Are we tuner? And Leatherface, what's up everybody? I'm gonna share this out on Twitter, I think. If we oh here we go. Let's get this out right now to the followers hey thank you all oh hey look at this little diamond i'm in good seeing everybody hey i uh, by the way thanks for everybody who asked surgery sur- surgery went great he didn't conduct it uh on there we'd never show on friday hope you enjoyed thursdays i had to go down to south carolina to go help my dad out he had um surgery in his leg and you know I couldn't have gotten better, but my mom and I, we had to run to CVS to get him some medicine, and uh, one of us should have stayed home and, like, tied the man down. Nothing would keep him down. He's out there walking the pets and everything. That, you can't tear that. Now they want to do his other leg, though, so hope it's good. By the way, Leatherface is here. Thank you so much to Armstrong Transport. And now I've got something else to open for them. They sent in a complete other box. I don't know. Maybe it's some outfits for Leatherface. Maybe it's some outfits for me. Let's see what we, uh, let's unbox this thing and see what they've sent us. Get open. Here we go. All right. What do we got here? Oh, a big polo. Here we go. I'm not sure if that will fit on Leatherface. We'll give it a shot. If not on him, we'll put it on me. Thank you so much, Armstrong. We've got a water bottle here, in case he gets parched. We've got... Another bubbler. Oof! my cupboard is getting filled with these things. Thank you so much, Carrie. Anything else? Ooh, look, we got some trucks right here. It's a nice die-cast one. All right, Leatherface. There you go. You can calm down for the show. <laughs> what else we got here? We got a nice T-shirt from them as well. It says, uh, what is this? ATG Kansas City. Nice little long-sleeve care package out of the team over there. Oh, and here's the trailer to that truck, Armstrong Transport Group. Looking good. Kerry, thank you so much for sending all this over to uh, the studio. We'll put some of this on Leatherface. We'll put some of this on me, and it will look great. Hey, while I was away, there was some big news, if not really a surprise. We've been talking about this one on here, but it's a UAW. Take a look at what some truck drivers drove up to on Friday. This is truck G. Man, he said, I know he going
0: through hell right now trying to get into this yard where they f-ing striking at. That pissed me the hell off as a driver. But I get it. I truly get it.
2: That's truck G. He said I uh, hate to be out how to be hate to be an outside carrier pulling up to a place that they're striking at. And why is that? Well, things did not go as planned in these discussions right now, except maybe at four. Take a look. More action was taken. 30 more at these plants right here here's just a few we had uh in where is this bowling brook illinois you had chicago parts distribution you had reno parts distribution center rancho cucamonga parts distribution center over in california Fort Worth Distribution Center in Texas, uh, Martinsburg Parts Distribution, Jackson, a lot of parts distribution centers of GM and Stellantis. UA, UAW President Sean Fain made the announcement on Friday morning. He said, at noon Eastern, all parts distribution centers at General Motors and Stellantis will be on strike. We will shut down parts distribution until those two companies come to their senses and come to the table with a serious offer. So what's going on there? Well, CNN reports that Fain said there has been significant improvement in offers from Ford, and that's the reason that the strike was not expanded over there. According to Fain, he said, we do not, we do want to recognize that Ford is serious about reaching a deal. Stellantis and GM in particular are going to need some serious pushing in these discussions. The strike will now expand to GM and Stellantis' 38 parts and distribution centers, and that's across 20 states. Like we said, they're going to be strategic with this one. That's part of it. GM, they have to say this about the strike. They say, today's strike escalation by the UAW's top leadership is unnecessary. We have contingency plans for various scenarios and are prepared to do what is best for our cust- for our business, our customers, and our dealers. We will continue to bargain in good faith with the union to reach an agreement as quickly as possible. The union started this strike on September 15th. It was only at three locations, but... It involved a lot of employees. It was 12,700 of the 145,000 workers who'd worked out. With this new 38, it's not as big. It's 5,625 more workers that worked out. And now President Joe Biden's on his way down here. He tweeted this. He said, Tuesday, I'll go to Michigan to join the picket line and stand in solidarity with the men and women of the UAW as they fight for their fair share of value they helped create. It's time for a win win agreement that keeps American auto manufacturing thriving with well-paid UAW jobs. They want about a 36% increase. That's down from 40. Last check on where these negotiations were at, particularly with uh, GM and Stellantis, they were only at about 20%, so still a long way to go. And this is just up on FreightWaves.com. I don't have time to get into it, but Rachel Premack just published, Warner's subsidiary fires four truck drivers after union petition filing. This is just the, the start. You can go to the site and read the rest, but it said, The Teamsters filed a petition with the National Labor Relations Board on Friday to unionize all 13 truck drivers at an Erie, Pennsylvania terminal of ECM Transport. Well, later that day, ECM Transport terminated those four employees, according to Teamsters Local 397. Those four workers were involved in organizing the ECM terminal with local Teamsters chapter, the union said. Terminating employees who organize a union is illegal under the National Labor Relations Act. Summer and now, obviously, the fall of labor action. Go to FreightWaves.com to read that one. On deck today on the show, we've got a lot coming on you. On today's episode, Justin Martin's going to stop by. He's talking about new parking in Wyoming, California's autonomous trucking ban. Everyone thought that was going to go in place, but it got vetoed. Gar- Garvin Newsom shot it down. We'll get into it. Cargo theft is spiking. New York City gets RoboCops and more. Travelers, Christopher Carpenter's here. He's talking about the do's and don'ts of hauling lithium-ion batteries. And ConnectSeal's Ken Evans is talking about how driver workflow enhances driver experiences. So let's uh, tip the band, and we'll get to our first guest. No ride, no app, no problem with Uber Central and Uber for Business. You can help your drivers get where they need to go after dropping off the tractor. Schedule rides, control costs, and access 24-7 support in an easy-to-use dashboard. Just go over to uberforbusiness.com. Get your drivers where they need to go, especially when they're parked, especially if they're not in one of those 200 spots over in Wyoming we're going to talk about later. But right now, let's talk to Christopher Carpenter, Inland Marine Regional Lead Risk Control over at Travelers. Hey, Chris, good seeing you on a Monday.
1: Hey, dinner. Good to see you as
2: well. What's happening, man? How's the day treating you? You ready to take on September?
1: Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Ready to rock and roll.
2: Well, last time I talked to you, we were talking about temperature control, but today we're going to get into another type of temperature that needs to be controlled, and it's fires when they rage out of control. A lot of talk about lithium ion, whether it be on the back of a truck, whether it be trucks pulling them, and that's what we're going to get into. Um, Tell us a little bit about anything new in reefer losses, though, before we jump into there.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, reefer. Uh, reefer issues turned out to be a pretty hot topic given how uh, hot our summer turned out to be.
2: Um, oh, it sure did. Well, uh, what about what about lithium ion batteries? What's cool or what's bad over there?
1: Yeah, so, you know, there's something we're all hearing more and more about. I mean, you can't go to the post office, FedEx, or an airport without being asked if your box or luggage uh, contains lithium batteries, right? So, and and just to set the record straight, when we're talking about lithium batteries, we're talking about a range of things. It could be the batteries or it could be the cells themselves. But we're also talking about countless mobile devices that we all depend on, things like portable computers, uh, cordless tools, cell phones, watches, uh, wheelchairs, and even, obviously, electric, electric vehicles.
2: So what makes lithium-ion batteries so sensitive, so different than any other batteries, AA's, uh, D batteries, whatever else we've been moving?
1: Yeah, a good question. Just so you know, everyone understands. Unlike standard alkaline batteries, most lithium batteries contain a flammable electrolyte with an incredibly high energy density. They can overheat and ignite uh, under certain con- conditions, such as uh, having a short circuit, being improperly designed or uh, assembled. Uh, and here's the real kicker: uh, these things really are no joke. Once ignited, Lithium cells and batteries fires can almost be impossible to extinguish. So don't think by carrying around one of your regular handheld fire extinguishers that you're going to be able to douse a a lithium battery fire and put it out. Uh, These fires are very ferocious and the gases are nasty. And even some of the fire departments don't always have the proper means to uh, extinguish them.
2: Wait, so okay, so I'm a driver. I'm driving. All of a sudden, I am feeling the flames. I'm seeing some smoke going out there. I can't use my regular
1: fire extinguisher. What's a driver to do if his load ignites? Well, you know, definitely, if you're if safely possible, unhook your tractor and get out of the way, and then and then call nine one one.
2: That that's simple. There's that that just get out of the way because you're not putting that thing yeah. out with your regular uh, fire extinguisher. Well, um, what so as a trucker, what can you do though? Like, what can I do in advance? How else can I pr- protect myself? What can I do? Yeah,
1: yeah. So first off, you know, you want to realize there's also a lot of responsibility of the safe transportation of lithium batteries also falls on the shipper. Uh, once a driver gets a load, it's probably already been packed and sealed. Um, if it's not sealed, certainly the driver should inspect the load to ensure it has been properly secured to prevent any type of load shift uh, during transit. And let's say the trailer might not be yours. Um, you know, you still want to try and inspect the trailer uh, that you're picking up to ensure adequate condition of the actual trailer. Um, if the load is sealed, you know, in most cases, best practices are going to be fairly clear cut. Uh, a few things we consider best practices for drivers who are hauling lithium batteries or um, those types of devices. You know, first you want to check and make sure you have the right coverage. Ask your agent to make sure you're properly covered to haul lithium batteries, as some insurance carriers uh, may specifically exclude uh, that as a commodity class. Uh, Make sure your drivers are aware of what they're hauling. Remember that lithium batteries, these are a high risk commodity. Um, So you're going to need a hazmat endorsement if you are hauling lithium batteries, such as the electric vehicle batteries. But if you're hauling a load of laptops, then you wouldn't need it. So you need to be very selective on the drivers you choose to put behind the wheel for these types of loads. Uh, Lithium battery loads can be dense and heavy, which obviously makes your load heavier, uh, which makes the truck longer to stop and longer to accelerate. Again, suggesting you should put a more experienced driver behind the wheel who knows what he or she, uh, you know, is doing based on their experience. You could also be utilizing your telematic system to monitor driver behaviors, um, to help you ensure you're placing that proper driver behind the wheel. Uh, Next, you you wanna make sure your vehicles are being well maintained. You sure don't want to risk having a vehicle fire or a wheel well fire due to a failed bearing on the road when you're hauling lithium batteries. Uh, This includes completing your routine and proper inspections of the tractor and the trailer that would be hauling these batteries. And lastly, um, you wanna monitor and track temperature. If things get too hot, in extreme cases, something called thermal runaway can occur. Um, This causes the batteries to explode and really start fires. So this is a thermal feedback loop within a battery cell that can be very difficult to stop once it's started. It occurs when the temperature inside a battery Reaches the point that causes a chemical reaction to occur inside. So this chemical reaction produces even more heat and drives that temperature even higher, causing further chemical reactions that create more heat. Um, so some some of these fires can last for days. I mean, there's also the potential for delayed reignition, which makes firefighting extremely tough and uh, time intensive. So. On top of that, a fire occurring to lithium battery load could also result in additional claim activity on your other lines of insurance coverage. So on top of your motor truck cargo loss for the batteries, uh, you can have an auto physical damage lost to your tractor and your trailer, uh, and even your general liability line of coverage. Uh, you're also most likely will have a cleanup disposal exposure associated with a fire of lithium batteries. So. You know, ultimately, Dooner, it, it really, really boils down to awareness of the potential volatile nature of lithium batteries, your driver selection, your driver controls, load securement inspection, and and your overall maintenance procedures.
2: Yeah, well, there's more and more of that freight coming out down the pike, especially a uh, hoverboard holiday yep. season coming up. People are going to want those under the Christmas tree, so you've given us a lot to think about. Okay. Um, anything yep. else before okay. I let you go, drivers should be thinking about before they 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 hook one of these to the back of their trailer
1: yeah just uh stay safe and 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 make sure you're uh you know putting the right drivers behind the wheel so
2: chris hey thank you you've given us a lot to think about i appreciate your time today all right you bet thanks again for having me there take it easy speaking of lithium ion here's an entire parade of lithium ion these are more delivery robots but these aren't down in hollywood take a look at these meanwhile these are over in moscow russia I saw Hollywood, people on the street were beating them up. People were licking them. Here they've got an entire army of them rolling down the block. I don't know if these are going to downtown Moscow. I don't know if these are going to the front line. I got no idea. I don't like them. I find them disconcerting. I don't know. Maybe Ken Evans does. Ken Evans, well, he's a te- technology officer, so he's probably not as frightened by those. Chief technology officer over at Conexio. Kevin, Ken, what do you think? Have you gotten a delivery yet from one
3: of those? Uh, Dooner, I cannot say that I've gotten one of those deliveries yet, but those look very similar to the, uh, units that University of Tennessee has delivering, uh, Grubhub type stuff to students. They're kind of freaky.
2: You know, I noticed the orange in, in your logo. I think that might be that hark that might oh, yeah. harken back to, uh, UT a little bit. They had a, they had a nice game it, over the weekend.
3: It, it certainly can. Yeah. So, uh, it was a good weekend. Nice weather. I'm sure it was in Chattanooga as well. Now, So
2: over the weekend, I was actually down in South Carolina. My dad was having surgery, and I was doing a little bit of research on you, and I came across one of your posts. And I want to mention it really quick because I thought this was just a really awesome story before we jump into everything. And it's how you and your dad did a B29. Can you tell us real quick what you and your dad did on this? I thought the pictures were great.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it was really interesting. Uh, the The job I had before Connexial, I was working at Spirit Aerosystems in Wichita, Kansas, and um, was part of my, my team supported the restoration of this really piece of history airplane, right? So that is the plane that ended World War II. And so my dad, I found out it was coming to Knoxville, and I said, you know, I don't really care, you know, about the cost, but I bought two tickets on it and uh, was able to take my dad. He's 93 and uh, he just shimmied right up the ladder and got the master gunnery position in the middle of the plane and uh, we had a really great day. Wow,
2: hey, a little cowbo for for you and your dad. What an awesome uh, what an awesome experience you two got to share in that uh, in that lovely aircraft that ended World War II. That's not all you do, yeah. though. How about over at Connexio? What's going on with the newest version of the My 20 ELD app?
3: Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we just released a major update to the iOS version of our app. Android will be coming out uh, in October. But it's a significant upgrade, and it's designed basically to make, uh, to give the carrier full control of the workflow, uh, but also make the driver's job a lot easier. So one of the problems that we saw in our application and a lot of other applications is there's lots of functionality built into the apps, but it's not necessarily intuitive uh, for the driver about what to do. So this actually kind of walks the driver through step one, two, three, four. As he's going through the day, and the app basically um, it puts the question the what the driver needs to do in the form of just simple questions. You know, based on what he's doing now, what are the things he's going to need to do next, and then makes it very easy for the driver. And the app handles a lot of the hard work. Well, with innovation like that, it's no wonder that you are Freight
2: Tech One Hundred recipient. Gloat about what that about for that? gloat about that for a second. What do you think uh, brought you over the top?
3: Uh, you know, I, I think it's the, the, it's a lot of things, but I think the fact that we're one of the only companies, we don't really position ourselves as a hardware or a software or a services company. We're actually a user experience company. So best analogy for that is what Apple does in the consumer space. We tend to do in the trucking space. So the whole, the whole idea is that someone who owns or manages trucks, uh, can make one decision and get a, uh, all the levels of technology they need from one place uh, in really a frictionless environment. So you don't have to spend lots of money and time trying to integrate a bunch of things. So it makes it very easy.
2: You know, what I kind of hear you talking about here is driver workflow, and we don't talk about that enough. How does driver workflow enhance driver experience?
3: Yeah, well, so if you think about it, most guys didn't go to uh, become truck drivers because they really dig uh, doing paperwork and uh, and that kind of stuff. Most guys basically said, you know, hey, I want to see the country. I like dealing with people. I want to, you know, drive a truck and kind of be the, as, as our friend Dave Nemo would say, the captain of the concrete, right? Um, and so what we saw was a lot of... Um, new tasks being introduced to drivers who had been in the industry for a long time. And, and while those tasks are important, you know, people need the documentation. They need the, the photos of what's going on. They need the status updates. They need all this stuff. There was just an ever-increasing burden on the driver to provide that information. And we said, you know, that's just not sustainable. Um, the driver has way more responsibilities than he used to have. So let's figure out a way to take the technology uh, and make it work for the driver instead of the driver working for the technology. Interesting. So
2: it seems pretty obvious, but what would the benefits of that be to fleet owners, fleet executives?
3: Well, it, it's interesting because this this new app that we have uh, and the and the loaded product that is being betaed right now, um, it basically provides all of the parties of the transaction. Uh, with secure transaction-based visibility or token-based visibility, and it basically gives all interested parties uh, access to view what's going on as the load executes live, but it doesn't require massive driver input. For example, uh, a lot of the arrival and departure um, status changes, or inbound and 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 delivered status changes. Those status changes can be automated with the advanced technology we built uh, for geo intelligence. So um, it's um, it's bringing what I call the live supply chain to life. Um, in other words, you know, when I tender a load to someone, I shouldn't. the next time I hear should, from it, shouldn't necessarily be delivered. I may need more information in between there, and instead of burdening the driver with providing that this technology and this uh, this product stack can actually do that for the carrier and take the work out.
2: So what drivers always want to know when it comes to cameras and data and apps is how does this all come together? How does how does the My20 app, for example, and uh, your cameras, your, your your Dash cameras, for mm-hmm. example, how do they come together to increase driver safety?
3: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, I mean, the cameras, uh, what we're seeing is, Cameras are becoming a necessity in fleets, and there's multiple reasons for that. Uh, Insurance, liability, nuclear verdicts, all the above. And what we're undergoing is a change in the industry that's not unlike what we did in 2018, 2019 with ELDs coming into the market. And we see a lot of the same kind of, I'm not sure about that technology. I'm not sure I'm going to allow that in my fleet or my cab or looking at my driver's. But what we're actually seeing is that almost everyone says, I want visibility of the road. I want visibility down the sides of the truck. I want to be able to exonerate my guy when something happens, when someone comes into his lane. And those are all great things. But the other thing that we're seeing is that you put that technology in and let's say that you're not using the cab facing or driver detection technology and, uh, and basically, the first time you have an incident and it goes to a legal process or discovery, the first thing that gets asked is, what was the driver doing? And so what we see is the first step is people adopt the external cameras. The second step is they come back and they say, okay, I want to understand how AI can help uh, make us a safer fleet by detecting distracted driving. So the system that we've put in place does a phenomenal job reducing distracted driving. We're seeing like up to 80% reduction in distracted driving within the first weeks of installation. So it's a it's a learning curve thing. It's an acceptance thing. But at the end of the day, the people who are implementing our AI mesh camera system are becoming much safer fleets. And that's going to be a boon to their business.
2: You know, last time we spoke, you were really big on token visibility, right? We were talking a lot about token-based visibility. How does this new app help further that?
3: Yeah, so it's an instrumental part of that. So it's the new app and the workflow basically allows the carrier to configure, you know, how they want their business process to work. And then the app basically uh, automates that um, and again, secures all that information All the documents, all the statuses, all the path of travel, the planned route, the outer route, communications back and forth with the driver, Uh, all that technology is secured under that one uh, unique identifier or token. And um, basically, they're free to share that with any uh, party to the freight transaction. So, um, it provides live visibility, just like you and I are talking on Zoom right now. You're going to have that same kind of capability uh, with the truck while it's executing, um, and ability to monitor it. So it eliminates all the stack, all the, uh, the check calls, all the phone calls and, uh, all the work people do trying to just gather documentation.
2: Well, Ken, we want to improve some driver workflow. Of course we do. Where do we send people to get more information about this?
3: Yeah. So they can, uh, reach us at connectseal.com K O N E X I A L or just Google My20, or you can call us anytime, 865-888-MY20. Ken, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. Hey, Tim, great seeing you, bud. Thank you so much. Hey, go Big Orange. And hey, go balls. <laughs> Take yeah. it easy.
2: Good stuff. All right. No ride, no app, no problem with Uber Central and Uber for Business. You can help your drivers get where they need to go after dropping off the truck. Schedule rides, control costs, and access 24-7 support in an easy-to-use dashboard. Learn more at uberforbusiness.com. Really cool. Drivers can park their truck. You can send them wherever they need to go. So you heard, one parking spot every 11 drivers. Some areas a little better than others, but a lot very bad. We saw a tight spot. Super Hustle was in, Right? I'm not ready to discount the uh, parking shortage narrative just yet. Not here. Also, attention. Tank, truck, industry, carriers, private fleets, and suppliers. Have you registered for this October's Tank Truck Week 2023? It's the largest tank truck event in North America for cutting-edge innovation, powerhouse networking, and keeping up with industry trends and insights. Content and value for executives, safety, HR, maintenance, tank wash, purchasing, and more help drive the tank truck industry forward October 8th through 11th this year in wonderful Indianapolis, Indiana. It's worth sending a res- representative to register today at tanktruck.org slash tanktruckweek. All right. Elsewhere, this isn't the Jaws ride on Universal, although at first I thought that this was animatronic, like Leatherface next to me, but it's not. That's like a live in the flesh hippo that's coming after these guys' collider on the water over here. I didn't see anything like that when I was on my uh, Lazy River Raft tour when I was in Jackson Hole, fortunately. We did see a bear in a tree. He was awfully close, but he didn't, like, get down and chase us. Supposedly, this is, like, one of the most dangerous animals, right? You can bite your head clean off a hippopotamus. Can do that? That's what I hear. Justin's shaking his head. He must agree. Let's look at a more peaceful animal before I bring him on, though. <laughs> Let's look at this cat. He's <laughs> is dish. I think Justin needs another cat. He hasn't shown me enough damage recently from his house. <laughs> My son is um his birthday's coming up um, pretty soon in a few days, he wants a kitten really bad. Probably not gonna make that happen at the moment. Our house doesn't have room for cats, but he's really good at claw games. Hey, super trucker. What's up, man? Yo, so nice. nice. Be
4: careful when you go to those animal shelters because, so like ours, we had the idea of like, okay, let's get a cat. And we go there. You can't just get a cat. A lot of them are paired
2: couples. So mine are a brother and sister. And we had to get both. You had to get, and you didn't get kittens, right? So you had, how old were they when you got them? Yeah. About a year. All right. So so they already had time to learn some bad behaviors before you could like instill your own values in the house on them? Yeah. We have one that just refuses to poop in his box.
4: He'll, he'll pee in it, no problem, but just he takes a dump like right in front of his litter box every time.
2: Uh, uh, what's been your – so yeah. how, how old the boy now? <laughs> uh, three. He turned three in June. Three. All right. So you're out of the terrible twos, right? What's your What's your biggest a- advice for uh, the parental listeners and parents' corner right here? What's your biggest advice for parents when dealing with uh, a kid that just turned three? Uh, it, it
4: never ends. You go straight from the terrible twos into the terrible threes. Um, I heard the phrase three-nager last year and it's just stuck <laughs> with us ever since patience have patience
2: it gets better they stop being terrorists at a certain point mine's mine are about to one of them the one who wants the cat he's about to turn nine the other one's about to turn seven they uh i recommend two two kind of keeps them in line you're getting a little bit f- too, too far away from the shore though because you want them to be like, just a couple years apart it'll, it'll keep them uh, grounded and it will give them something to do other than bother you
4: Yeah, well, we'll see. He's got a cousin who's like a couple of weeks uh, younger than him, so they visit a lot, so it helps keep them entertained when they were together.
2: Well, is this one a myth? Is the trucker bathroom shortage a myth, Justin? Are there issues finding bathrooms?
4: Oh, uh, yeah. We're still hearing guys, you know, COVID really put a damper on, even pre-COVID. A lot of, a lot of shippers, receivers will just refuse service to uh, most drivers because, um, you know, nobody wants to have some guy blowing up their bathroom all the time. And then with COVID, it was basically just an excuse to just block anyone from ever coming into your building. And that, that problem still persists today.
2: I'll tell you, on the way back from South Carolina, you know, I always try to make sure – you know, some of my business is already taken care. of. you like to just take a pee on the road, but I happened yeah. to walk into a brand new truck stop with a brand new bleach bathroom. There was nobody there. It was like it was uh, like being oh. in heaven, and you could just, you could smell the bleach. So you could smell like the the just the cleanliness, and it just it puts you in a good space. That scent, for some reason, in a truck stop bathroom, specifically. Yeah,
4: there's something about the smell of like fresh drywall too. That's you know, like not, not, nothing's been like ruined yet.
2: Well, let's see. For let's see a video from Married Married Two on the road right here. Larry's trying to make it to the bathroom. I don't know. Have you been in a similar situation to Larry over here? Who hasn't? I mean, you you spend enough time on the road, oh. the the
4: the food's not great, the, the coffee's hitting you. Poor guy. There we Uh-oh. go. Yeah, oh, poor Larry. Oh, poor guy.
0: I have a little butt cheek action going on.
4: I've never like stopped. Oh, poor God. <laughs> I, I just you know. You, you walk Uh-oh. as fast as you can. He's, he's oh,
2: trying. Poor Larry. He's I, I've met him. Him and his wife line. are hilarious. Yeah, he's holding on to dear life. This one time in Boston, I wasn't driving a car. I was actually taking oh, the T home. And, like, each time I switched to train, train you know, you're feeling, like, the gurgles. You're feeling it come on you. Oh, yeah. And, um... Man, I was—I started looking at, and this is Boston. There's not a lot of places to go to the bathroom. It's sort of like a truck. truck. I'm starting to look at, like, recycle bins and stuff, and I'm like, could I jump in this in an alley, like, in a jam? It was, you know, it was that close where you're, like, red alert. It's a log of shame back to the truck. Oh, no. Oh, no. Poor guy. Oh, no. And he's got shorts on. No, don't come back to the truck, Larry.
4: Well, you got to come back. get You change of clothes and then go in and grab a shower. Yes,
3: yeah, so. Online.
2: Well, did they have some clothes in in one of those loves. You um do you, you like the new mascot by by the way by Selena Truck Stop? The, the jug oh, those man? Guys are uh, those guys are great. And that really took off. Most people are kind of hip to
4: like, you know, their their parody account, but I I think that character really kind of spoke to like the
2: zeitgeist of of what's happening in the trucking industry right now. I'm surprised they haven't like they haven't gotten into apparel yet. You think that they're like apparel and like an actual jug? They have to.
4: Yeah, no, they're they're sitting on a gold mine right now. They need to be selling hats, T shirts, stickers, buttons, everything.
2: ASAP. Maybe they don't want to, though. Maybe they're afraid their cargo will get stolen. Justin, cargo Mm. theft is spiking. Could be bad economy. Could be anything. We see all those videos all the time of people, like, knocking off Walgreens. But check the trucks in the back because those are getting stolen, too. Noy Mahoney reports truckload carriers across the U.S. saw a sharp rise in cargo thefts during the second quarter, with these targeting everything from electronic goods to food and beverage products and construction materials. We have travelers on all the time. It's always either food or food or electronic manuals that are getting targeted. It says here in the report, CargoNet's news release says, In total, thieves stole over $44 in goods in the second quarter of 2023, and the average shipment value per event increased nearly $100,000 to $260,703 per theft as cargo thieves focused on high-value shipments. Inflation, it's even hitting the cargo theft uh, (laughs) bottom line. Yeah, so not only is the rate of theft increasing,
4: the value that they're going after is increasing too.
2: Yeah, it did. Well, overall, as their own report, they said there was 123 cargo thefts recorded in the quarter. That was a 15% increase over the same period last year. Worst places to run right now, California and Georgia, ranked number one and number two. Does that surprise you at all?
4: No, not at all. Um, A lot of the... This kind of ties into double
2: brokering too, believe it
4: or not. Um, Most of the, you know scumbags that we're following on tiktok etc they kind of spill the beans on like their process of what, what happens a lot of these guys they've been to prison as soon as they get out they start targeting a lot of these shippers and find guys that either they were locked up with and they kind of pay each other under the table via Zelle, and um that's how they
2: find their loads you know i always saw someone on twitter just bragging about that she was saying oh look i bought an entire house with uh with all the boosting, I guess the kids are calling it boosting that they're yeah. doing, it and then they're selling it on – everyone's always coming at X. It's on Instagram that they're uh, boosting and selling all this stuff. Overhaul had it even worse. They said that in – they said the average loss per incident reported overhaul during the second quarter was 428409 Theirs was 55% compared to the first quarter of the year. I mean, some it's inflation, but it's definitely they're going after these high, higher-value targets.
4: Yeah, and these are these are very well organized. A lot of these like viral videos that you see of like CVS or Walgreens getting ransacked, these aren't just like random. Pe- okay, a lot of it is random people targeting these things because you know they they're not really being all that enforced. But there, a lot of them are um, heavily organized reselling rings. Like they, they target um, cosmetics and baby formula because they're small items and they can be easily uh, sold on the black market. Yeah, and- the same thing happening at these shippers and receivers too.
2: It's weird because that's that's what gets the attention on social media is when someone goes in the front door at Walgreens and it's what gets the attention on um, wh- what I, ca- I guess I can't say main MS I can't say mainstream media that's too far <laughs> right coded I got to say corporate corporate media is that okay.
4: The corporate media, yeah, or legacy media,
2: that works too. And, okay, and they, they show that, right? And that's like someone stealing like $100 worth of stuff or, or less. This is people stealing, what, $420,000 worth yeah. of stuff directly out of trucks. It says the majority of cargo thefts in the second quarter occurred near warehouse and distribution centers, along with unsecured parking lots and company truck yards and premises. People definitely going over those company truck yards. They're, they're checking out the behavior of how long people are there they said there's no standard definition of what an unsecured lot is it's just any lot that's not secured yeah we hit was it last year or the year before we had those um
4: nike shoes that were stolen um right there out of the truck lot that was just a chain link fence uh you know protecting that, that load that that was stu- stupidity right there it was even really stupid on the thieves part too was they were selling them on ebay before they were hitting the stores so
2: they were very easily tracked down and caught Easy, easy to find. Career cargo criminals who wake wake up every day to steal this, but they typically only get. This is what Daniel Ramon from Overall says. They typically only get fifteen to twenty percent of the retail value of the load. So everybody's (laughs) losing money in this transaction. Yeah, probably some double, double or triple brokering going on there. (laughs) Well, that was that was another big part of this. Was the uh, fictitious pickups was a big one. So it wasn't just Mm -hmm. that someone was like. Breaking into a yard with a you know a ski mask on or a balaclava and then like crowbaring open a door. Some of these are actually done at the brokering level where there's just fictitious pickups, there's fake loads done. Some of them, do, you, all you all you get stolen is your money you would have got paid for moving the load. But all of these are big things that are amounting to tons of money. Yeah, no, this is a problem that needs to be tackled as soon as possible. Um, some kind of
4: verification along the chain of saying like, hey, I'm picking up for X Y Z. Uh, if that isn't matching up with their system, alarms would be going off immediately. You never, you never
2: encountered someone trying to break into your truck, or did you?
4: No, not into my truck. I mean, I certainly hope not. Um, when I was hauling, you know, military stuff, you typically never stopping. So that's tip number one: is one, don't, don't park where you know you can be a target. And the other, the other one too, like when I was at the postal service, um, there's a lot more heavily heavy fines and penalties associated with uh, trying to hijack
2: a, a mail truck. So yeah. that that hopefully keeps most of the You know, thieves at bay. The riffraff out of it. I know I wish I threw the video into my assets. I forgot to do it. But uh, you actually posted a video last week of a guy using the back of a reefer trailer. And like this isn't an unsecured ladder or anything. The guy was just unloading his trailer and in between coming back and forth, there's a guy in the back of his truck trying to steal like some like frozen chocolates or something. Yeah. Put a
4: padlock on there. It, obviously you can, you can still pick a lock or, or cut it open, but even that little bit of deterrence right there will p- prevent a lot of thefts. right there. Um, uh-uh, you know, cause most, most of these are
2: just crimes of opportunity. You know, the easy, why make the thieves job any easier than you have to. Yeah. A lot of them didn't even like this guy wasn't even violent or anything. He ran away the second he was caught. So yeah. really deterrence work, uh, keep people out. People are getting desperate out there. Don't make yourself mm-hmm. a target, You know who's a big target? AVs, autonomous vehicles, big target in California. A lot of people were saying, oh, the industry's dead. This industry's not viable if you have to have a safety driver in the truck. There was a a bill that was put out in California, and it said that you would have to have the driver in there. But Governor Governor Newsom says, AB316, I just vetoed your ass. So the business is back open. The assembly bill that would have made it necessary to always have a driver in the truck, now you still nothing's changed. You still need a driver in the truck. The testing's gone on, but the one that would have banned it into perpetuity has been shot down by Newsom. Some people didn't think it would go that way. What do you think here? With, with
4: so many of these companies based in California, I would imagine he got a lot of phone calls from a lot of lobbyists uh, since that bill was passed. Um, you know, it, these jobs are. are you know, under threat right now from the, uh, from automation and they're doing everything they can. The teamsters are, was the ones that really surprised me. I'm surprised they had any kind of strength to kind of stop this,
2: but you know, they made it as far as the governor's desk. Sean Fain said, governor Newsom, remember him? He put the epitaph on yellow's gravestone and tweeted that out. He was a part of yeah. yellow. He said, governor Newsom, I got a message for you. You want to veto this bill and take on 1.2 million teamsters in this country, put your helmet and buckle in your chin strap. I'm going to be rating the, tra- the strap work on Governor Newsom soon. The team, what are the Teamsters going to do here?
4: Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Um, 1.2 million Teamsters in the country is, is is kind of a drop in the bucket because these are truck driving jobs. Not all Teamsters are truck drivers, um, so they're
2: they're kind of out, out, outnumbered here on this. As a result, California safety officers continue to evaluate autonomous vehicle technology and consider appropriate regulatory action. That was Jeff Farrar. He's the AVIA's executive director. He looks forward to continuing to work with California DMV, California Highway Patrol, and the workforce development uh, industry. Don Burnett from Kodiak, he said, we are very thankful to Governor Newsom for his Principled decision to veto AB 316 and allow California's safety experts, not politicians, to regulate the autonomous vehicle industry. You make a good point, Justin. Over 536 billion dollars, tech makes up 536 billion dollars of California's economy. That's 16. 0.7% 0.7% of the economy, if this had gone through, all of those companies, Aurora, Gatik, Kodiak, Torque, Volvo Autonomous Solutions, Wabi, they all would have moved to Texas from California. Some of them already are running in Florida. Uh, yeah. Kodiak's running for, in Florida, for example. Uh, Gatik, Aurora, um, Torque, Volvo, they're Wabi. They're all running over in Texas. I think Wabi, we just heard, uh, it was just added on on Uber, Uber Freight, were they not? Yes. Yeah, in Florida,
4: I'm surprised um, it took so long for these trucks to get to Florida. It's a much easier state to navigate. Everything's on a grid. There's no hills, mountains, or anything like that. Um, the weather is pretty clear most
2: of the year, unless you're dodging hurricanes. So you know, we'll, we'll see how, how how far this goes. I mean, you think California is mostly the tech industry based? That's why the the big focus over there. I've read the articles. The pro yeah. articles are like, hey, these are gonna you'll love this this will take care of the driver shortage this will help out at the ports or anything but really at the moment all this is really doing is just deciding where money is going through development these things still have a long way to go yeah
4: um it's surprising too that a lot of these companies they're pitched the idea of autonomy based on a driver shortage narrative we know that's not true
2: i wonder if these companies know that's not true I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of interest, a lot of money. Although it's been tougher to get funding in that space, this will probably help. Though this was keeping a lot of uh, money out of there. I know that a lot of those names we just listed were trying to do whatever they could to um, stay in this. You speak to a lot of drivers, right? They're still, uh, they're, they're not into this at all, right? Nah, nah. Most most drivers either they have their heads in
4: the sand, saying it's it's never going to happen, or um, if it does happen, it's going to be so expensive keeping the trucks running that it's at the end of the day, it's better off just keeping a live driver in
2: the seat. Yes, yeah, all the models I hear about talked about, the ones that are like the most viable, they all seem to almost be like LTL hub and spoke systems because of the way they have to transfer yeah. drivers and and freight. So it's one of those things too, it's not gonna like match up with the most networks to begin with. I mean, it's, it's still a while to go yeah. in this stuff.
4: And it takes a long time to build a network. As we're seeing with Tesla, you know, they're trying to get everything, all their parts going from California to Texas, down into Mexico to the plants they're try- it's one company right now trying to build a network so uh, we'll wait and see how how well they uh, pull this off
2: well you're not going to have much of a network without parking and without charging mm-hmm. but right now we got to worry about human drivers they're going to be in place for a while and wyoming they just added some parking they got uh, what 200 spaces the wyoming Tribune Eagle reports federal, state, and local transportation leaders gathered to celebrate the opening of a new Queeley Dome truck parking area along Interstate 80. It is between Laramie and Rollins at mile marker 290, about 27 miles northwest of Laramie. Good news, bad news. Great
4: news. I mean, right now it's kind of a wash of 80s wide open, um, so parking's not an issue, but come wintertime, uh, if they shut it down every other day, like they seem to have done last winter, every single one of those parking spots is will be really absolutely needed.
2: It's tough, man. It takes a long time to build this stuff. YDOT applied for and received a federal yeah. build grant of twenty million dollars in twenty eighteen. According to the release, the total project budget was thirty four and went over budget, which included a state match. Simon Contractors awarded the bid in twenty twenty and began work that fall. So it took three years to build two hundred parking spots and thirty four million bucks.
4: Yeah. 34 million for just 200 spots. Um, I hope that there's like actually going to be facilities there. Like, what's the point of even having all that parking if you know if everyone's going to be walking like that poor driver that we saw in the video earlier?
2: Ooh, yeah, oh yeah, Larry. He uh, he had some tough times. Secretary P was over there. He said I eighty is a critic is a critical national freight route, but frequent winter storms and closures can make it dangerous during the colder months. In Wyoming, we added those two hundred spaces, providing drivers a safe place to rest during the long haul. Hopefully, there's not a lot of a. Uh, Hopefully there's not a lot of theft over there. I think we might have a picture. Do we have a picture of what this lot looks like? Yeah. Where is that? So that that's just a Google satellite view of where the location is, according to what
4: the article is saying. I'm not really sure where um, on the map it's being built because it also mentions a, uh, a dome for road salt storage, et cetera. So we'll have to wait till the next satellite pass overhead to see where it's at. But according to the article, that's where it's located. So there's there's a tiny, tiny little truck stop there. It's not a great one. But it's basically just a
2: dirt lot as it is
4: right now. Um,
2: well, a win for drivers. They, they going need all through, that extra uh, parking for sure. A win for drivers going through Wyoming. Now, if we could only build a lot more of it, cheaper, and in less than three years. Well, more than three years because it took two years just to get the contract awarded, right? So <laughs> it, you got <laughs> it's know. like five-year project to do one of these things.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I like the breakdowns of um, how much it was like per spot. <laughs> yeah
2: like when you when you start seeing the numbers like that you're just like what are we doing here guys it's expensive it's expensive could probably have to pay to park in them too uh what about this you ever get have you ever had your car keyed before justin anyone ever key your car oh yeah who hasn't oh wow what's the story behind that did you piss someone off was it just a random keying no idea um
4: god i'm trying to think yeah i think every car i've ever had has either been keyed or swiped. When I lived in South Philadelphia, uh, the little Subaru that I had at the time, it was probably hit like every six months, like absolutely clobbered. I had to have my uh, uh, passenger side door replaced one time because a Philadelphia
2: garbage truck backed into it. Oh, man. You know, when Independence Day first came out, I'd just gotten my driver's license and I went to go see that movie with a couple of buddies of mine. And we went and saw a movie. It was great. Will Smith was great. We came back to the car and someone keyed the... S, out of my car, and it's still a mystery. I still have no idea who did it, but if I had a Tesla back in the late 90s, I might have been able to see it. Like, this guy was, roll this tape right here. Teslas, they kind of sell themselves, especially if it fits into your lifestyle and what you need out of it, but one of the biggest advantages is the sensory mode that you're going to find on a Tesla because it has cameras on when your car's parked, and if some idiot does what we're going to see someone about to do, apparently some lady, she thought this man, cut her off and stole her spot so she wanted some retribution and you're gonna see her come from across the street she's gonna go up to the side of the car and she's gonna do one of the coldest things you can ever do to a man just
4: all down the side not even like a small spot and like scratch it back and forth she keyed like the whole
2: length of the car even hit the camera right there said uh this That's guy cool. says right here matthew douglas ryan he said psa for vandals teslas have cameras on all sides recording shenanigans the woman below thought a tesla model 3 owner stole her parking spot and keyed his car sentry mode caught her in the act she got arrested for felony vandalism after being found eating nearby she went and did it and then she went and got a meal
4: <laughs> yeah and a lot of the comments were like whoa what felony like what the hell and it's it's they go by the monetary damage. So if she did, I think it was like more than $4,000 or $5,000 worth of damage. That's a felony charge.
2: Well, yeah, I guess it should be. I mean, was the, did the punishment fit the... What do you think?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're stupid enough to key someone's car
2: and get caught like that, you know, you got to own it. Yeah, don't go can people's car. If she does that three times. She'll be in prison for life. Yeah. <laughs> in the wrong state. What's...
4: I, and I, it was cool too is it like it's it's not just one camera it's all it's, it's basically a 360 view around the car like most people keep try to keep a dash cam in your car these days but you know the car the camera shuts off after you shut the car off after a while but with these the car the, the camera keeps rolling
2: well let's say you don't have a tesla let's say you don't but you live in new york city and you're you're parking or you're walking down the street how are you going to protect yourself how are you going to be safe on the streets of new york well mayor eric adams has debuted his new robot friend <laughs> Yeah, volume on it? it
4: is so stupid.
1: Crime, or at least learn best practices while using technology going forward. Devices like the K5 have the possibility to serve as a deterrent to crime, or at least learn best practices while using technology going forward.
2: Okay, so this is this big robot they they have here. It looks like uh, it looks like something from Doctor Who. Mayor Eric Adams says we must use every available method to keep New Yorkers safe, including state of the art technologies like Nightscope K5 security robot. These devices will serve as an important, innovative deterrent to crime, so we can keep New York City the safest city in America. And apparently, this thing gets paid nine dollars an hour.
4: <laughs> and they have to. What's really stupid is okay. This thing's supposed to be on the spot to prevent crime but they have to have a live officer standing by so that thing doesn't become a victim of crime as well.
2: Yeah, we saw what happened in Hollywood to the delivery robots. People were knocking those over. Now, New York City knows people are freaked out by this, and they're saying, um, hey, this doesn't have facial recognition software on there, but it's recording and capturing and streaming video. You could easily just apply the facial recognition to the video source. So saying that the robot itself doesn't have it on it is kind of, I don't know. You're not fooling me with that one, New York City. This guy, yeah, Albert... It, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, having all
4: that right there on the spot inside the robot would just like increase the cost exponentially.
2: This guy, let's see here. This guy, Albert Fox Kane, he's the executive director of the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, said this might be the dumbest drone yet. There is absolutely no benefit to installing a roving camera in one of the most highly surveilled places on the planet. We already blanket Times Square with cameras. It's absurd to think... Another drone will help. Will that deter you? Would you stop committing crime? Like I, the dog might deter me. This thing, not necessarily.
4: Yeah, no. This is this is going to be like a targeted graffiti. Um, keep that crazy lady that's like licking all these robots away from New York City. She's she's probably looking for it right now. <laughs> this is this is so. I, I, somebody got paid off for for something like this. That's the only thing that makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't really get, and can it, I don't think it can even defend itself, not that I initially want this robot to no. defend itself, I know that that would cause a lot of problems, but it seems either here or not, it seems like they just want to use our money to, to feed tourists, to, to, maybe they can put it to uh, all the, the, the immigrant problem they got over there with the busing and everything, they can have them watch over that.
4: Yeah, um, also, have they ever tried considering just, like, arresting their criminals?
2: Yeah, and not just releasing them the next day, give them some felony charges yeah. like that, uh, the person who keyed the Tesla. Let's look yeah, at that. How some... funny was that that she, got, she was arrested? <laughs> I know. And then, like, everywhere need... else is like, there's no no one else can get it. Oh, she's the only victim that's, that can be, <laughs> can be prosecuted. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't need a K5 security robot for that. They didn't. I would have liked to see just what park, he could have just done. Park Tez... Just park Teslas all over in New York City. Problem solved. Well, maybe you could park your Cybertruck. Let's take a look, though. However, before you get too excited about the Cybertruck, let's take a look at this video and what we're seeing with the build quality
0: we've got brand new video of the tesla Cybertruck, thanks to youtuber muddy ruts who happened to spot the tesla engineers at hollister hill state recreation area and we've got quite a bit to talk about here on both trucks you'll see it says rc build engineering prototype now rc stands for release candidate which is normally a term used in software development and from what i understand it's typically the final build before release but these cyber trucks look like they still have a long way to go so perhaps the rc is only referring to the software in these trucks because the fit and finish on these is leaving a lot to be desired i mean i look i'm just going to be honest these look terrible the first thing i noticed instantly was the paneling on the driver's side of this yeah. one absolutely nothing seems to line up correctly the top of the door is flush with the body as i'm sure it's supposed to look but the bottom of it isn't at all, and, and we see similar fitment issues on the rear door, on the bedside, and then over on the passenger side, it's it's more of the same. Body lines not matched up, weird gaps just all over the place, and I'm not sure what's going on with the stainless steel finish on the side of this one, uh, but that certainly doesn't look right. I mean, these things are going to be absolute fingerprint magnets too. But uh, on the front of the truck, it doesn't get any better. More gaps, more panels that don't fit right. I mean. Come on, I, this is so bad. Uh, supposedly, these things are going to be ready for customer delivery next month, uh, but I just, I can't imagine it happening. Um, yeah.
2: Good luck. Well, just, Justin, big problem I've been noticing with with all these, and one of the reasons I canceled my pre-order, well, also because I got a minivan, was look at the panels on these things. If you have OCD, this would drive you nuts. Yeah, it has been a problem with Teslas
4: for a long time. Uh, most people, when they get a Tesla, you're going to see panels not lining up correctly. A lot of like the really big... Um, uh, like a lot of the big YouTubers out there that like bought bought Teslas, that's the first thing they noticed when they get their car was like, I spent six figures on this thing and it has like these all these issues right off the gate. Um, I think they've like fixed a lot of those issues um, on the previous models. Uh, this one looks like it's still got some work to do.
2: Yeah, would you be disappointed if your panels came a little misaligned like that? Oh yeah, do we even know like the final sale price for this thing? You know, it's interesting because no, we don't. Uh, we we know that there's. Like 1.2 million $100 pre-orders, but I think most analysts would agree that those probably will not consummate because there's only $100 to get a, a pre-order. Yeah. Um, I know Chad Boblet. He got a little testy with me when I posted this bill quality thing. He's like, "It's the greatest car ever. I'm excited. No one's gonna cancel them." He was trying to compare the 1.2 pre-order number to like the number of F-150s sold, and I'm like, "That's actual F-150s sold, though. Like these are $100 yeah. pre-orders. There's a big difference." And also, what I heard was that it could take up to five years if they if one to actually did sold it would at the pace that they're going to be making these it would take almost five years to build all of these pre-orders
4: yeah and also you know if you have a problem with your f-150 ford is stamping out so many of these things that you can actually have one that you can re- replace yours with if you have issues you get this uh cyber truck and you got an issue with it
2: good luck you are going to be in line well, you're going to be in line, maybe with the police. So the police are not only getting that robot that we showed in New York, but Larry Ellison at Oracle, he said that this is like the cop car of the future. He showed off this design of it. What do you think? It I mean, it it, it, it looks pretty cyberpunk and cool.
4: Yeah, all these like cyberpunk movies and books that came out years ago were supposed to be like warnings of what not to do,
2: you know, where, where society could head. And these people are like, this is a great idea. Let's go for it. This is a great idea. Let's steal it. Well, you know, if you if you hear the sirens on one of those coming, you might have to run because recently you stole a plant, and I want to talk to you about what goes in to relocating a plant. How does one decide that is a plant is a good target? Let's take a look at the plant in question here. Tell me a little bit about what happened here, Justin. So this
4: is a neighbor, a couple of units down from me. Um, last year, they basically it took it took a month to get moved out of this place. It, it was a drug den basically um and i had no idea that this plant was buried there uh went out for a walk with my son the other day saw it popping up out of the ground and i was like oh nobody lives there anymore someone needs to take care of this thing so i took it upon myself uh friday afternoon before our tropical storm came through and uh would have wiped it out so i i consider i I rescued that plant i didn't steal
2: okay well when you go out on your rescue missions to take uh people's plants that don't belong to you how do you decide like what kind of pot to put a plant like that in
4: well, so a big, pot, a big one like that, I had a spare pot, um, so it wasn't an issue. Most of the time, like if I'm out and there's like a cool vine or something that can be easily propagated, you just take, you know, a pocket knife out and you cut a, a, a piece off of it and, and propagate it yourself.
2: You know, when I was in second grade, I would, I would walk home from uh, St. Joseph's Catholic School, and I remember um, I'd pick my mom some flowers from like one, of, like I'd cut through this neighbor's yard, and I picked some roses and I brought them home. And then uh, because you had to wear uniforms, there's someone called the school, and I got, I got in big trouble, Justin. So I think I've been <laughs> scarred by plant theft early on at an early age. No, nah,
4: I usually I wait till like it's the the fall when I know if it's an outside plant and the winter's going to kill it off. You know, then I'll then I'll take some cuttings and I, that's kind of bit me in the butt here recently. Um, our old house we lived near a brewery that had a purple heart uh, vine growing outside, and I took a cutting from it, and now I have like more than I know what to do with.
2: <laughs> oh, is that? That's like, one of those they grow ones. pretty fast. Yeah, so my wife's like, she's the she's got the green thumb of the house. She has plants all over the place, but I don't know their names or any of the functionalities. You could probably have a long conversation with her about that. But I do know a little bit about watermelons right to strap work. A little intermodal style. Let's take a look at this. On the back. Beautiful. Rail car. Look at that's that a, thing right really here. Easy. CPK. C Rail says, one in a melon? (laughs) This morning, our railroads moved a 16,000 pound watermelon sculpture from the Muscatine Industrial Park to the city's waterfront. Special thanks to our CPKC Railroaders, the city of Muscatine, all who helped make this move happen. You impressed? Yeah, 16,000 pounds. Pretty good. I want to see the crane they used to uh, drop it on and pick it off. Adam Cole, he's a realist. He works in this industry. He said, the heck with scrap work. Getting logistics, safety, and marketing to actually work together to do something cool is the real miracle. Good on you, Muscadane melon-selling maniacs. Yeah, no, it, it, a great branding, too. Oh, sure. Everyone's going to notice this. Uh, Dave O'Brien, he said, but is it boneless? <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> you know, you can't really get seeds in these things anymore. Does this one have seeds? You never see seeds in a watermelon anymore, Justin. You know, I haven't bought watermelon in a while. My, my kid's not really into it.
4: So if, if he doesn't eat, if he doesn't like eating the fruits, we, we try not to buy them. Um, but yeah, now that I'm
2: thinking about it, you're right. I haven't seen seeds on a watermelon in a long time. All right. Well, here is the debate to end all debates. I only care if I got to uh, classify this for customs purposes, but is a hot dog a sandwich, Justin?
4: I never even like had this thought in my mind. Um, I love the replies. I
2: sure why not it's an open-faced sandwich well wouldn't it be more like a sub my thinking here is that since the bread is attached and it folds that's more like a submarine than i mean i guess a submarine's a sandwich but like you're being a little bit broad to just call it a sandwich i would say they don't say hoagie in massachusetts well they no you would say like a sub yeah like a submarine a euro you might say a euro if you go greek place it's it's like a sub it's like a subcategory of sandwich Andrew Teal says it's a taco. Cube states you identify by the location of the structural starch. That was my favorite response. I never would have gone taco route. Freight Bannon said it's like how a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't necessarily a square type of thing. Todd Campbell went to Chili's in Georgia, had a hot dog on Texas toast bun with pimento cheese. That was a sandwich. Uh, a lot of people saying it's a taco. A lot of people saying it's an Americanized taco. And then this one guy says, Pizza's a sandwich. League Enjoyer says, it's a glizzy. What's wrong with you? Well, what's wrong with you? Go follow him on Twitter at Super Trucker. Find us at FW. What the truck? Find me at Timothy Duna. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Look up our show on FreightWaves YouTube if you want to watch this thing. Just look up FreightWaves and on podcast players. Look up What the Truck. Take care. Don't be a stranger.